1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, if you remember, this is our third message on our series, I Would Not Have You Ignorant, Brethren. Uh, it's a statement that Paul uses six times, or at least a variation of that. And uh, this is the third one. We've looked at uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 13, where Paul was saying, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that he's wanting to go to Rome so that he, ha- he, he may have fruit among them as he does with others. Uh, the second one we looked at was last week in Romans chapter 11, verse 25, dealing with the blindness of the nation of Israel, uh, the blindness of Israel for a season. Uh, we looked at that and we went back to Acts 13 and looked at the very first um, miracle that Paul does and he blinds a Jew and salvation goes to a Gentile. So we were taking a look at that the last time this week. And of course, we've talked about these are all dispensational issues, right? Um, there's, there's fruit that Paul's looking for from or to have, to have among the, the, the folks at Rome uh, that he has with other Gentiles. Um, that's dealing with his, the mutual faith, uh, that, that body of doctrine that was delivered to him. Uh, the second one was the fact that you have salvation going to the Gentiles by the blinding of, of the nation of Israel, and they don't have to go through the nation of Israel. And, of course, this one in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is dealing with baptism. All right, so we're, we're going to be able to talk about those things today. And, and I want us to be able to see something real quick. There's, there's a lot that's, that's going on um, through here. So we're going to read, uh, we're going to read uh, quite a few verses to get started. But that's the issue that we're going to find out here. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, we're going to read the first 14 verses here, and then we'll get going. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word, that you preserved these, these words for us throughout scriptures, throughout years, that we may be able to have it before us, that we may be able to place our faith in it, uh, that we uh, allow your word to be the final authority in all things, in everything that we do, think, say, and feel, uh, that we might be the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. Now, there's a few things that we see here. What's, what's going on is he, he's bringing up this issue of, he says in verse 1, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Now, there's, there's an issue there that we want to be able to see. All right? And I want us to be able to notice some things real quick. Let's go back to Exodus because I want us to be able to see what's going on um, in this particular case. So go back to Exodus chapter 13. And uh, we're going to run through quite a few verses. And I want us to be able to see something and then make some, some issue uh, parallel, uh, parallels and some other things as well uh, as we go through here. Exodus chapter 13. One of the things hopefully that we know is the nation of Israel, they go into Egypt with about 70 people, and they come out as a nation, all right? And that's one of those things we've talked about before when, when, when Christ is talking to Nicodemus and he says, ye must be born again, what's that mean? The ye there is plural. And so then there's something there about the nation, the ye there, the whole group of people, they must be born again which means that nation was born one time previously. And we're going to see that's what he's dealing with here with the nation of Israel is they come out as a nation for the first time. Now, what's interesting is you go back to Genesis chapter 12 and 15 and all, and God tells Abraham, says what? I'm going to make of you and your seed, what? A great nation. Now, Abraham is the head, the father of that, but they don't become a nation until they come out of Egypt. And what they're doing here is they're being, and what we're going to find out is that word baptism doesn't have to, doesn't have to do with dunking people. Um, really, it has to do with identification, and we'll see that here. And we'll find that out because what, what, what most people have done is they've taken... And we, we've allowed, for, for years, we've allowed people to come along and take biblical words and put their own meanings on it. One of which is repent. What's repent mean? Turn from your sins. Not possible. You can't stop sinning in your life by your own free will. You're not going to. As a saved individual, you now have the power to stop sinning, but as an unsaved person, you can't. So you can't tell an unsaved person to stop sinning. Turn over a new leaf and all that stuff. That's not, what, that's not what repent means. Repent means to change your mind. You go back through the Scriptures, and the Scriptures will define itself for us. Repent's one of those. Um, baptism is one. Baptism, the, the church has come along and said, baptism, that's dunking in water. You ever thought that, it never, that their definition never says anything about bringing them out? You're going to baptize, you place people in water, you're not supposed to bring them out. By your own definition, you'd have to leave them in the water and then they go get meet Jesus or whatever, right? It doesn't say anything about bringing them out. Well, that's what they do. They spiritualize Romans chapter 6 and it says, buried with him in baptism and raised again. 
that's not water there. The moment that we allow anybody to come in and put a drop of water in Romans chapter 6, our baptism means nothing at that point. And the real baptism that takes place the moment we get saved, you're never going to fully understand the life that you now have in Christ because you're trying to do it spiritually and spiritualize in the verses and make things match what you believe rather than just allowing the verses to take care of themselves. All right? And we'll see that because it's really interesting that Paul brings up this baptism unto Moses. Notice here, um, Exodus chapter 13. <clears throat> Let's take a look at, uh, we'll start off in verse um, 21. Let's take a look at verse 21. And I want us to be able to see this. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now, when he talks about the fact that they were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea... That's this cloud that we see here that's going before them, a pillar of cloud. There's an identification that God's making with this group of people, and He's going to identify them with Moses. Now, one, one other thing that's really interesting is you go over and you find out about this, this gainsaying of core. Um, what's interesting about this is, is I, we, we did a study years ago about... Don't be the core of the body of Christ. Now, what? who was core? Well, the New Testament calls him core because it's written in Greek. The Old Testament calls him core because it's written in Hebrew and some other languages. But that's core in the Old Testament is core in the New Testament. Does that make sense? So when we find out about the gainsaying of core, you go back and you find out what the gainsaying of core was, was it was denying the, the authority that was given to Moses by God. And so then what we did is we took that in parallel and says, don't be the core of the body of Christ. Don't take the authority that was given to Paul and take that away from him and the gainsaying of core and apply that to that. Because the moment that we do, we're going to end up just about the same way as Israel has. And we talked about it earlier. That's why the, 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 the American church is in the disarray it is because they denied the authority that God gave to Paul. And all that stuff works together. So then... Would you go back in time and say, Israel, you all just worship Moses. All you care about is Moses this and Moses that and Moses did this. It was called the law of Moses, right? Paul talks about my gospel that was given to me. By the way, the only reason Paul says that is because the Holy Spirit wrote it. So if you got a problem with what Paul's doing, you got a problem with the Holy Spirit, not him or us. So that's why I look at some of those things and say, okay, let's move on. But there's, there's an issue with Kor saying that we're going to deny the authority that God gave to Moses and knock him down. And that's exactly what people do today with, with the Apostle Paul. Paul was the great grace giver just as Moses was the great law giver. And if you, you can't, what's interesting is there's a book that Stan wrote, um, Moses and Paul. And it's really interesting when you look at those two, their ministries together, 
It's really, it's really fascinating actually. But notice here, what do we have? We've got the the pillar of cloud, the the pillar of a cloud, to lead them in the way, and a pillar of fire to lead them by night. Um, real quick, go over to um, chapter fourteen, right there, chapter fourteen, and we'll we'll see this we'll see this over and over again, verse nineteen, chapter fourteen, verse nineteen. And the angel of the Lord went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and, a, and darkness to them, but gave light by night to these, so that the one came not, uh, not near the other all the night. You think about the protection there that God's given the nation of Israel as they're fleeing Egypt. Um, notice verse. Drop down to verse twenty-nine, and this is this is an interesting this is an interesting thing. Notice here in Exodus chapter fourteen, verse twenty-nine. You've got you've got the Egyptians that are following. Well, let's let's read up before this because I want us to be able to think as we're going through here. Um, verse, let's start off in verse 24, just to kind of get the, well, verse 21, just to get the context of what's going on. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea, what's those next two words? Dry land. So, when you think about what's going on, you've got the nation of Israel, there's a cloud behind them that is separating the nation of Israel from the Egyptians. And God is, is protecting them from the Egyptians. And what's God do here? Moses puts the staff down. What happens? It opens up. Now, have you ever, have you, ever you know, this past week or so, we've, past month or so, we've had a lot of rain. If you've got a puddle in your backyard and you went back there and you separated the water, what's going to happen to the land where that water was. Is it going to be dry? <laughs> it's going to still be wet. But what happens here is what? And he made this, the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. Do you know what that reminds me of? Genesis. When God takes the waters and separates the waters from the waters, and he sets between those a firmament. And in that firmament, he puts the earth and hangs it on nothing in the middle of that firmament. You've got waters above and waters below. That's what this reminds me of. And I guarantee you, they thought the exact same thing too. Notice. And the waters which were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left, and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the hosts of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. Now, you could probably do something with that word, the host of the Egyptians there. Um, one, one of the things, you know, we've mentioned this before. If you want to find out what God's doing with the Gentiles, we need to go find out what He was doing back there. When God reveals what He did with the Gentiles back there, how He separated out the nation of Israel and says, Gentiles, you're on your own. 
I'm going to give you up to your gods and I'm going to allow you to go and worship the gods that you want to worship. And I want to show you what a nation is who has God as their God, that has me as their God. And so then you could do something with the host of, of, of the Egyptians there uh, that goes along with that. Verse 25, And look off and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. Could you imagine being those Egyptians there? You're going through and you're following, trying to follow along, and your wheels are gone. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, we probably, get, we, we probably need to get out of here. And that's what they're saying. Verse 26, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew, overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. What's that mean? Every one of them that went in, they perished. Now, there's something else there that you could take along with that as well. But notice verse 29. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus saith the Lord, or thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Now, what's interesting is, we've talked about this before, when the nation of Israel comes across that Red Sea, they're born as a nation for the first time ever. And of course, we've talked about the, the significance there with the water, but what did, they, what did they go across on was dry land. Question, who ended up getting wet? Egyptians. The Egyptians. So there you have a dry baptism. <laughs> you know, people call us dry cleaners and all that stuff because we, don't, we, we know, based upon the scriptures, that the baptism that we have today is a spiritual baptism, not with water. And here you had the very first baptism that, we, that we're going to read about here where, he's, where the nation of Israel is brought out. They're not, they're not the ones getting dunked in water, if you will. That's an interesting thing. Um, real quick, go over to chapter 40. Um, Exodus chapter 40. And we'll see, we'll see some more of these. Because <clears throat> I, th I think it's really interesting to kind of get this idea in our mind. Notice, um, here, you, here we've got the tabernacle, um, which by the way, God gave Moses the blueprint for it, right? So he creates this tabernacle based upon the blueprint that God gave him according to Hebrews. Verse 33, notice this. And he... And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Notice, when Moses finished the work, notice that very next word in verse 34. Then. By the way, 
When you're going through scripture and you come across a time element word, pay attention to it. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When did that take place? As soon as Moses was finished with the work, that took place. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day and fire was on it by night in the, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout uh, all their journeys." What was interesting is, here you've got, that's where God would meet with the nation of Israel, was through that tabernacle, right? And we, we, we see that. Um, go over to Numbers. Numbers chapter 9. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 9. Um, <clears throat> let's start off here. Um, verse 15. And we'll, we'll, see the same, we'll see the same kind of issue here. Notice Numbers chapter 9 verse 15. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up. What's that mean? Once it was all put up and the work was done, right? And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle. Namely the tent of the testimony, and it was even there upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that the children of Israel uh, journeyed, and in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tent. Now, the interesting thing about the tabernacle is it was, it was designed to where they could take it down and move. Take it down and move. But what was, what was the issue there is the, the presence of God is really the issue and the protection that they had. You know, that's what he was doing with the protection back over here with the Egyptians. He was protecting them from being taken back. Um, go over to chapter 14. Again, just showing, showing you some of these um, and, and we'll see why. When, when, when God created the heaven and the earth, why did He create the earth? So He'd have a place to dwell. Notice here in Numbers 14. Notice verse 13. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up this people on thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou... That, that thou, Lord, art among this people, and that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of cloud and in the pillar of fire by night. What is it you have? These Egyptians are going to tell people, God's with these people. Notice what he says there. For they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people that the Lord art seen face to face 
So we see those things. Uh, go over to Deuteronomy. Chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Verse 33, verse 31. I kind of hate to jump in on all these, but I just want us to get these. Verse 31. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son, in all the way that ye went until ye came into this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in, to pitch your tents in, in fire by night to show you by what way ye should go and in the cloud by day. Question, what is it that they're doing there in verse 32? Yet in this thing, what? Ye did not believe God. You know, when we think about all the things that God did for the nation of Israel, all the signs, all the wonder, you, as soon as they got across the Red Sea, they go out, they're there for a few days, they're out there in the wilderness, and they said, Moses, you just brought us out here to die. We had things so much better. We at least had food back over there. We had shelter back over there. You bring us out over here, what happens? They're thinking back to what they used to have and said, man, things were much better back there. Moses goes up in the mountain. He comes down. What are they doing? They're having a party. They've created a golden calf. They've forgotten the, the God that brought them out already. How long was he up there for them to do that? <laughs> he wasn't up there that long. But that's the thing. It doesn't take long for us to get away from, right? And that's what is going on here. Notice, yet in this thing... Ye did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in and fire by night to shew you by what way ye should go and in a cloud by day. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, which I swear to give unto, unto your fathers. Save Caleb... And he goes through and deals with that. But he's saying, <clears throat> look at what I've done, yet you've chosen not to believe. They had signs and miracles and all these things taking place all the time. <coughs> yet they chose not to believe. But it's interesting. Are they still identified somehow with Moses? Because he was, you know, we've got that. Um, Go real quick. Um, Nehemiah. Get uh, get Nehemiah chapter
get uh, get Nehemiah chapter nine in one hand and get Psalm seventy two. No, I said seventy two, but. Get 78. I can't read my own writing. So Nehemiah chapter 9 and Psalm 78. Nehemiah chapter 9. And I want us to keep keep in mind some of the things we're seeing here. They're, they're, They're chosen not to believe and all this stuff. Keep that in mind as we go back. And we'll go back to 1 Corinthians here in just a little bit. Notice here in Nehemiah chapter 9, uh, so we need Nehemiah chapter 9, Psalm 78. We'll get a couple more in Psalm. Um, but notice Nehemiah chapter 9. Let's look at verse 12. Actually, verse 10. We'll start off in verse 10. <clears throat> verse 9 talks about the fact that he sees the affliction of the fathers in Egypt and heard their cry. Notice in verse 10, and showed signs and wonders unto Pharaoh and all and on all his servants and on all the people of his land. For thou knowest, thou, thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them, so didst thou keep thee a name as it is this day. And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. Verse 12, Moreover, thou ledest them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and the night by a pillar of fire, to give them light in the way wherein thou should go. What's he doing? He's showing them the way, protection and all this. Verse 19, Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. Why? Because they were going against what he was saying. But he says, in thy manifold mercies forsake, forsookest them not in the wilderness. Now, <clears throat> you think about that. Paul talks about the manifold wisdom of God, right? Here we've got the manifold mercies. By his manifold mercies, manifold mercies, he what? Forsook them not. Even though they went against him. Notice. Um... Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them day by day to lead them in the way. Neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein thou should go. <clears throat> Psalm 78. And again, we see, we see these over and over again. We're, we're, we're looking at these, the pillar of the cloud and the, and the fire and all this stuff. And... Keep those things in mind. <clears throat> Psalm 78. Verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our, our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. 
What's interesting is, what's he saying? Are there people that still sticking with and saying, we're going to make sure that we teach our children about the things that God's done for us? There's always, you know, you think there's always going to be this little remnant. Not everybody's given up on him. Um, Psalm 105. Psalm 105. Psalm 105, verse... I'll start off in verse... uh, Start off in verse 23. Let's just take a look at this. Verse 23. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to to deal subtly with his servants. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron who whom he had chosen. They showed the signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. So he's showing them, here's here's proof that we're with God, that God's on our side. Notice, he turned their waters into blood and slew their fish. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance in the chambers of their kings. He spake and there came diverse sorts of flies and lice in all their coasts. He gave them hell for rain and flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines also and their fig trees and brake the trees of their coasts. He spake and the locusts came and caterpillars and that without number and did eat up all the herbs in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He smote also all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. He brought them forth also with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person among their tribes." Egypt was glad when they departed. (laughs) You ever thought about that? They're going through this stuff, and Egypt's, just go. We're we're glad to see you go. But what happens is they change their mind and go after him, right? Now, we think about this. What what is it that, that Moses and Aaron did is they showed the signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. Here's God. He's with us. Jump right over the next page, 106. But here's the problem. Verse 6. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Notice, our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. What's interesting there is the Egyptians figured, we don't like this. We need to get rid of these guys because these guys have God with them. But notice he says, our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitudes of thy mercies. But provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea, Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. 
He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up, so that He led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And He saved them from the hand of him that hated Him, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they His words. They sang His praise. They didn't understand what was going on in Egypt. God gets them out, takes them across the Red Sea. Waters come down, takes the, takes the Egyptians. Not one of them is left behind. And what do they do? They start singing praises to God. But it doesn't take them too long before they make that golden calf, right? Go back real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> now, I've had a lot of people... Um, that have problems with the first few words of this after Paul says, I would not have you be ignorant. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, we can, we can get into the issue of baptism, which is a real easy thing to do. We've talked about that. The people who ended up wet there was the people that were not, not on the right side of it, right? So there's a couple things that take place. We talked about the pillar of cloud and the fire by night, how that pillar of cloud was separating the, the nation of Israel, that's not a nation yet, from that, from that Egyptian group. And once they go through that sea, they're born as a nation. That's the, ter- that's the first birth that the nation of Israel had. So when, when Jesus Christ is saying, ye must be born again, he's talking to the nation that there's a national birth that they have to partake in. Because the first one was there, the second one's going to be at another time. But we see that protection they had back here. And what did the nation of Israel do on the other side? They sang praises. They glorified the Lord. But what happened after that? Forgot about it. And we see. Notice. <clears throat> drop down. Um, verse, verse 5. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. We've, we saw that as we are going through there, right? For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Part of this has to do with the fact that they are identified with Moses as they went through the Red Sea through that dry baptism. Another part is, is he's reminding us that they are an example for us to be able to go look at Not to say we're just like Israel, but we can say, Israel, you forgot about all the things that God did for you to get you out. And you forgot about all those things. Signs and wonders. People say all the time, I would believe in God if He did this, this, and this. No, you wouldn't. You really wouldn't. You know how I know? They didn't. I've got to see it to believe it. You'll never believe it then. Yeah, you had walls of water on both sides. They're walking through on, on, the, on the dry ground through the Red Sea. And still yet, they get to the other side and they're thinking, man, it was so much better back there. 
Doesn't it remind you of Lot's wife? She looks back. What happens? Turn to a pillar of salt. So keep on going. We see this. This is, this is continuing on here. Verse, verse 7. <clears throat> so he's saying, Don't lust after evil things. Verse 7. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse 8, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and, three and 20,000. Go over to Numbers 25, you can find that out. Verse 9, Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant of what took place back there, and I don't want us... He's talking specifically to the folks in Corinth, but by extension, you and I. Don't forget the things that God's done for you. Don't go back to, why would we want to go back? Having, you know, having that salvation and knowing the things that God's done for you, why would you want to return to your old man? We do it all the time. Paul deals with, with folks all the time through 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians and all this he goes, to the, he goes to the Galatians and says, having been made perfect in the Spirit, are you going to be made, having, having started in the Spirit, are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? And the answer is no. We always want to go back to those things. Paul tells the folks in Ephesians, in, in Ephesus, what? Don't walk as other Gentiles walk. Don't walk the way that you used to walk. You're, you're new now. You're different now. Don't forget the things that God's done for you. So when that last series that we did about to do... To, to, to do we must be we have to know who we are in Christ to be able to go and live a life otherwise we're not going to know how to live we have to know who we are in Christ before we can go do those things and we see that these guys were an example to us notice in verse 11 now all these things happened unto them for in samples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come you know one of the things you take from that is <clears throat> Paul thought rapture is going to happen at any moment, right? In his mind, that's the way he thought. Not to get out of persecutions or not to get out of this, this body that's breaking down all the time, but he was looking for that blessed hope because he's saying, I can't wait to see my Savior again. And he's saying, it's not only, not only were they in samples there, it's written for our admonition. Um, Romans, he says what? Things that were written aforetime are written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. We can read about these people who are baptized unto Moses in a dry baptism, and we find out that the fact that they get to the other side and they look back and think, man, that was so much better what I used to be. And he's saying, they're examples and examples to us that we can look at that and say, we don't be like them. We don't want to be that dog that returns to their vomit. We don't want to go back to who we used to be. Find out who we are in Christ and go forward with it. Notice. <clears throat> but there's, there's something else here too. Verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. The idea... The idea that we see there is what? I would never do that. 
I'm not going to go back. That person might, but I'm not going to. I know so-and-so would, but that that's the idea. The moment that we think we've got it, we don't know anything. <laughs> that's what I've learned over the years. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Pay attention. Be mindful of the fact. Notice verse 13. And by the way, verse 13 is one of those verses that most people just misuse. Notice in verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is as common to man. A lot of times, the people that I know, they'll say, the reason I'm going through this is because God's trying to teach me or get my attention. You know what that verse says? What you're going through is just common to every person. Nothing special. There's no special getting a hold of your attention, stuff like that. That's not how God works. Notice, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape. Notice there's not a period there. How does, how does the Scripture define to escape there? That you may be able to bear it. Not that you get out of it. It's not escapism. God, I want out of this situation because it's too tough. It's, I want to give you the verses and the life that I've had to give to you to get you through that, so that you might be able to bear it and endure it. You know, Romans 5, he says what? Tribulation works patience. Patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We don't look at... We, we look at these folks back here. You know, we could talk about this when, when we're looking at the, the Romans 11 last week. Don't think that we're so great. And that's, that's the issue that he's going through here. Don't fall into this idolatrous stuff. Don't fall into the lustful things. Don't go and commit fornication. And the issue there in every one of those is going back out of, out of what God was doing, going and following other gods, mostly Baal worship and all that stuff. That's one of those things that you're looking at there. That's the context of where we find this. And so that's, the, that's that issue. So there is no special beating down of people. Um, that was one of those things I was taught early on that, you know, you, you punish your child, God's, no, God's, God's going to do the exact same thing. If you're out of line, whap you in the head. That's not what God does at all. But notice, <clears throat> He gives us a way to escape. The escape there He defines that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, what's he say? Flee from idolatry. What he's dealing with there was idolatrous issues. The fornication there, the, 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 all the stuff is the idolatrous. What they're doing is they're going after other gods. They're thinking, that God that we served back there in Egypt, we didn't go starving like we are now. We had everything we needed back there, but we don't have it. We were getting beat, and we had to work like dogs, but we had everything we needed. We're out here, and we don't have anything. And he's saying, he's saying to us, these guys are examples. They're in samples that you can say, don't go back to who you were. Find out who you are in Christ and go live that. 
You live based upon the knowledge that you have. The more knowledge you get, the more you can walk. But don't look back. Um, so when we look at this, like I said, there's a bunch of issues that we could go into. The real issue there is he's saying what? Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge what I judge ye what I say. Um, and then what's interesting is he gets into um, communion, uh, the communion there and going through all that stuff. So that's that's another interesting thing with the Lord's table, if you will. Um, but the, but take a look at those issues as you go down through there and he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of what happened to them. They were baptized unto Moses in the pillar of the cloud and the fire by night. Um, they all had the same they all had the same meat, they all had the same drink, they had all things in common, which should remind us of that kingdom, right? They had everything that they need, everything in common. They had all this stuff, and what they do? They said, That's not enough. Let's go back. And he's saying, He's reminding us, don't be like them. Um <clears throat> Questions, comments?